okay? Today we're going to teach about King Asa. Does anybody know anything about King Asa? Anyone? Me either, okay? That's awesome, okay? I had read about the guy a few times, but I had never studied him and gotten to know him until this past week, okay? King Asa was a very interesting king, okay? So we're in the book of Kings. That's where we've been for the past couple of weeks. We've been talking about Solomon, and Solomon was, uh, he was great, but he was also a fool, right? He messed up at the end of his life. And Asa kind of takes that same trajectory, actually. Asa's one of these guys who, um, he starts out really, really well. But then we ask the question, will he finish well, all right? So the same question, though, is, is for us, is how do we start and how do we finish? What does that look like in life for us? How are we going to do well at doing this? And, and so as I've been studying this, as I started to get to know a little bit about Asa, it was a really interesting to me. He's in 1 Kings chapter number 15, if you want to jump into the Bible. What we see here is after Solomon's reign, you guys remember last week we talked about this, that um, the kingdom was split in two. Do you guys remember the two different places it was known as now? One started with a J. Nice, Judah and Israel, look at you. Way to go, man, I'm proud of you. Judah and Israel, right? And so, so we get the northern kingdom and we get the southern kingdom. And, and throughout these um, kings, you actually see most of the kings who actually come up and take over these places, they're known to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, Asa was a little bit different. Two, um, I, I wrote down two phrases emerges as this book progresses. Most kings are described as doing evil in God's eyes. However, on rare occasions, they're, they're described as what is doing as pleasing in the Lord's sight. So we see in 1 Kings chapter number 15, we get introduced to Asa. All right, and Asa is going to take over the kingdom of Judah. Okay, and, and he's going to take over. Um, it, it's really interesting to see kind of how he does it. He actually reigns for 41 years. Go ahead and throw up the uh, next passage for me. All right, some really uh, cool things you'll see about Asa is that he, um, he decided that um, he was going to tear out all the idols, right? He was going to get rid of the, the, the male and female prostitutes that, that were at the shrines there. He, he, he decided he was going to do a whole lot of things that were really good things, and then um, all of a sudden, as his life kept going, he kind of started to forget what God had done. And so there's not a lot of information. I mean, there is. If you look behind me, there's a decent amount of information in six verses. But it's not everything that you really want to know, okay? In these six verses, we get an introductory to who he is. So Tony said this the first week, okay? Tony was talking to you guys about um, Solomon the first week, and, and, and he introduced the series. So 1 Kings and 2 Kings was one book, and so was First and Second Chronicles. And they kind of parallel each other, and they kind of give you some of the same stories. And so what I want to do today is I actually want to take you over to Chronicles chapter number 14. And we're going to go to 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. And I want you to see his story from a different point of view here, okay? And so I want you to see kind of where he is, okay? Here's what we know. Under King Asa, the kingdom had rest. We see this in 2 Chronicles 14, uh, 5 through 6, okay. He built and fortified cities in Judah for the land uh, had rest. Had no war in those years for the Lord had given them peace. For 10 years, for the first 10 years of this guy's reign, there was no war. Now, why is that important? Have you ever tried to live life when things aren't good? Think about yourselves right now at your own house, all right. When life is hard at home. When maybe your parents are fighting or maybe you're not getting along with your siblings or maybe it's you're not getting along with your parents. How does home feel? Is the word tense an accurate word? You ever been there? I, I've been there, all right? All right. 
Now I want you to imagine being the king. I want you to imagine being the person who's in charge of everything. And I want you to imagine being at war. All right? Now, is there a war going on right now? Anybody? Yes? There's a couple, right? There's a couple of different things going on across. Now, would you want to live in one of those places? No, right? None of us would volunteer to say, hey, I want to go live there. Why? Turmoil, right? You'd be worried about your life. Every single one of us would. So for these guys, this is the first time in many years that they're experiencing peace. These first ten years, all right? This is the interesting part, though. So as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, I want you to start in verse number 8, okay? I'm going to give you six life lessons from the life of King Asa today. Six life lessons from the life of King Asa today. The first one is this. God puts us in circumstances where we have to rely on him. Okay, God puts us in circumstances where we have to rely on him. How do I know that? Picking up in chapter number 14 of 2 Chronicles, verse number 8, it says this. King Asa had an army of 300,000 warriors from the tribe of Judah, armed with large shields and spears. He also had an army of 280,000 warriors from the tribe of Benjamin, armed with small shields and bows. Both armies were composed of well-trained fighting men. All right, really quick, who's good at math? Anybody good at math? Landon, you're good at math? No? Anyway, in the back, I saw a hand. Yeah, you're good at math? Look, really easy, really easy. I want you to add those numbers, 280 and 300. Yes, please. 580,000. Hold that number, okay? Hold that number. We're going to pick up in verse number 9. Once an Ethiopian named Zerah attacked Judah with an army of one million men. They advanced to the town of Marsa. So Asa deployed his armies for battle in the valley of the north of Marsa. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help us or help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah and the enemy filled. Or the enemy fled. Okay. Hey, what's your name? Yeah. One more time. Yearly. Okay. So what was your number? Yeah, you're right. You're right on 580,000. Okay. And what was the number of the other people that they were going to go fight against? A million. All right. Let's compare the numbers. Okay. I want you to think about it. 580,000 versus a million. Who has the advantage? A million, right? And for those of you guys who don't do good math, okay, what's the difference here? Yeah. Woo, she's good. Hey, get a shirt after this, all right? See, Ms. Robin, she'll hook you up, okay? All right, 420,000. Is 420,000 an important number to have that many more people, right? All right, let's think of it like this. When somebody's really good at basketball, someone's really good at basketball, what do you do to try to take them out of the game? You said it right there. What was it? You double team them, right? Now I want you to imagine though, just for a second, 10 years of war or 10 years of peace has happened. Now you've got this guy who's coming in and he's coming to take over. And basically, they can double team every single one of your soldiers. Is that a good place to be in? It's not, right? None of us want to be in that spot, right? Like, like um, I, was telling, uh, <laughs> I was telling somebody earlier that, that, that you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? And once somebody knows that they can beat you, guess what? 
they're going to go after that link. So now imagine you've got two to one, basically. Your numbers are a little bit off there, but they're not far off. From two to one right here, you're going to be nervous, especially as a king who has had peace for 10 years. That's why this number one point that I tried to give you here is, is important. Numbers don't matter to God. He can do anything. And when we rely on God, we see he will show up. You see, this battle seems impossible. This battle seems like, hey, what are we going to do? What can we do? But Asa knew if he cried out to the Lord and he said, we rely on you. We try to live the right way. Then God will show up. And that was a really cool thing because we see right here in verse 12, the Lord defended, defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah and the enemy fled. Point number one. Once again, really simple point. God gives us, or God puts us in circumstances where we have to rely on him. It leads me to the second point, okay? Continuing in King Ace's life, right? Stay close to God. Stay close to God. This is the interesting part. Check this out. Right after King Asa's victory, the spirit of God came upon Azariah, and he said, to, he said these words to Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. The spirit of the God, our spirit of God, came upon Azariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble, they turned to God, the God of Israel, and they sought him, and they found him. You see, Azariah wanted Asa to know that he could experience that kind of victory again. Um, he could not experience that kind of victory again if he did not stay close to God. I want you to look back at that again. Verse number 2, okay, because this is actually really important for our own lives, right? Look at this. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And this was um, different than where we're at right now. But, guys, it still reigns true this. If you seek God, he will seek you. He will get to know you. He will teach you. He will grow you. He will come into your life and his spirit will really just build up in you. And, and I know several times I meet with students and students are like, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Like, like, like I, I want to follow God, but I just don't know how. The number one thing, and wherever Luke is, I don't know where Luke is, but we were talking earlier this morning and, and I told him, I said, the Bible is wisdom literature. So that means simply this, that you can open the Bible and you can read something, and then you can come back and read that same thing, and God's going to show you something different out of that each time. He's going to teach you something more and more. And the more that you lean into this relationship with God, the more you will grow over time. You see, we live, we live in a, um, a microwave society. We live in a microwave society where we want everything instant, right? All right, how many of you guys, be honest, pizza rolls. You guys like pizza rolls? Yes. Can we all agree pizza rolls aren't as good in the microwave as they are in the air fryer or the oven? Yeah? You guys agree? Right? I, I'm there. But here's the problem. When I want to eat pizza rolls, when do I want to eat pizza rolls? 
right then. Do you know how convenient it is to just pop them in the microwave? What happens after you pull a uh, pizza roll out of the microwave and you bite it right away? It does get soggy, yes. They're like molten lava, right? Like they, like they just burn your mouth so badly, right? It just, it, it's terrible. But if I would be patient and if I understood that not everything in life is supposed to be fast. Good things in life take time. The same thing for your relationship with God, guys. If you really want to get to know God, understand you're not going to be where you're going to be five years from now. You're going to continually grow, right? When I look at you guys, like, I want you to understand, like, God wants you to get to know him. But this isn't an instant journey. You're not going to know everything you need to know about God right now. The same way Frank and Elaine can stand up here and they can answer the same exact thing. Because they've been married for 27 years. They've spent a lot of time together. They know how each other think. And in some ways, they think the same. That's what God wants. God wants you to spend that time with him. He wants you to think the way that he thinks. And the only way that happens is if you do it for 27 years. Or maybe longer. All right? Number three. Do what's right even when it comes to family. Do what's right even when it comes to family. So we see that the, um, the prophet here, the messenger from um, Azariah, is, he's letting Asa know, hey, listen, you, you cling to God, he'll cling to you. But then he keeps going, okay. Then it, we pick up verse number five. During those dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation and city against city. For God was troubling them with every kind of problem. But as for you, be strong and courageous. That sounds familiar. For your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard the message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage and he removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry of the Lord's temple. You see, Asa, he sought to honor God with all of his heart and his soul. Um, Asa was all about getting his, his community back the right way. He wanted his kingdom to truly love God. He wanted his people to truly know who God was. He wanted them to know the history. He wanted them to know what was happening. And so what he did is he started taking out Everything, right? Like he started getting out all the idols. He started getting out all these things. And then we get to an interesting point, okay? We get to a spot where it becomes family time. Picking up in verse number 16, it says this. King Asa even de deposed his grandmother, Micah, for her position as a queen mother because she had, be she had made an obscene Asherah pole. He cut down the obscene pole, broke it up, and burned it in the Kindred Valley. Although pagan shrines were not fully removed from Israel, Asa's heart remained completely faithful throughout his life. You see that? I want you to imagine just for a second. This, is, this one's interesting. His grandmother had made something to a, a foreign god. And he found out about it. Well, he probably knew about it from the time he was a kid, right? 
But now he's got this choice. He's telling everybody, hey, get rid of your idols. Get rid of anything that does not represent the God of Israel because that's who we're going to be. We're going to be following the one true God. And everybody starts doing it, and we see like there's just piles and piles of stuff out there. But then the real test came. It was grandma's house. And grandma was a powerful woman. And grandma had this idol that she, she loved. And so what do you do? What do you do when it's hard, right? What do you do when it's your family? What do you do when, when you know that this goes against what you believe, but what do you do to, to make it right? King Asa had a choice to make. He had a choice. Was he going to choose his own family or was he going to choose God? And now let's be honest in the room right now. Like, you know, the, the truth of the matter is people are making this choice every single day. Now, maybe it's not here in America because we've got freedoms that protect you. But, man, overseas, man, like, uh, I, I read a lot. I, I get the Voice of the Martyrs uh, magazine every single month. I, I get their calendar. It's really cool to be able to pray over the people who are being martyred and um, the people who are just uh, struggling right now because they are putting their faith in Jesus. And, and I see this quite often, actually. A Muslim comes to faith in Jesus. And all of a sudden, their family says, okay, well, if you want Jesus, then you have to stop being our family. You're no longer my son. You're no longer, I'm no longer your mother. I'm no longer your father. All that they choose, they have to make a choice. Jesus, our family. Guys, I'm scared. Here's what I think is we're not far from that in America. We're not far from where you need to make a choice. And for you guys right now, okay, here's the thing. Your families, most of your families in here are probably believers. Most of them are. But I want you to take this a different step. I want to go a little different way right here. What about your friends? Culture right now, guys, is going to tell you, you can do whatever you want. You can do it however you want. It's all about you and what makes you feel happy. Your friends are probably telling you a lot of the same. Hopefully you've got some godly friends, some people who are speaking into your life. But let me ask you a question. When you see that your friends are going after the things that aren't of God, are you willing to remove those friends from your life? When you see that your friends are chasing after something that is, you know that's going to lead you down the wrong path too, what are you doing to make sure that your life is God-honoring? Right? We talked about Solomon. We talked about all the wives and concubines he had last week. We saw how his life ended because he allowed the wrong people to continue speaking into his life. What are you doing right now to set yourself up to be a godly person? To follow him with all your life. All right, that's three. Let's go into four. Four is this. When God gives you blessings, do not rely more on the blessing than God. Picking up in chapter 16, it says this. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Basha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. 
Asa responded by removing the silver and the gold from the treasures of the Lord's temple, or the temple of the Lord, and the royal place. He sent it to King Ben-Hadadad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message. Let there be a tweet, uh, wow, yeah. Let there be a treaty between you and me, like the one between you and my father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Basha of Israel so that he will leave me alone. Now we know for 10 years there was peace in the kingdom. We know that they took over this battle and they beat the Ethiopians. And not only did they beat the Ethiopians, they, um, they took all their goods that they had with them. All one million warriors who had all that stuff. They got to take all that. And what they did is they, they built up their temple with this. And it was awesome. They had gold in the inner parts. They had silver, right? They had all these great things. And then we get to this point right here as he's starting to become an older man. He says, you know, like as the king down there in Israel is starting to build up his defenses, as the king is starting to, to really get this thing um, going, I'm, I'm a little bit scared, so I need backup. And so he reaches out to this other king, one of his actual enemies, and he sends them the gold and the silver from the temple. He sends them all the stuff that God had blessed them with. So that they, could, they would attack the other king and that they could have a, a treaty of, of not anything happening. And it's really interesting as you read this, you can kind of see why it displeases God, right? You can see why, like, he's taking stuff out of the temple of God. He's forgotten where all this stuff came from. He's forgotten where the blessings had come from. And we pick up in verse number 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa and told him, because you have put your trust in the king of, Ar uh, king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God, you have missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and the Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and charioteers? At that time you relied on the Lord, and he handed them over to you. You see, King Asa had gotten used to a peaceful time. He had gotten used to, to winning. He had gotten used to being blessed by God over and over again. And he had gotten used to, to kind of doing things on his own. Right? And then he would invite God into his life whenever he, quote, unquote, needed him. As he got older, he started messing up more and more. And we see that as we keep reading here. Number five, resist the temptation to get prideful with old age. King Asa had become quite difficult in his old age. He put the seer in prison for giving him the instructions that he didn't like. And as a result of his pride, God told him that from now on, he was going to experience war. Check out verse number nine with me. It says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to give support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. This is what the seer told him. This is where he was not happy, right? Like this is where he, he was like, man, I'm not happy with what you're telling me. Who do you think you are? I'm the king. I've been the king for 35 years. Look at all the blessings we have. It's because of me. Right? He's like, yes, God has blessed me. Let me do this. And the seer's just telling him, hey, listen, 
God's looking for those people who are truly giving their whole heart to him. He's going to bless those who, who, who truly lean into them. Man, one of these verses that we kind of went over pretty quick back here was this. Um, in verse number 7, it says, Because you have put your trust in King Aram of, and instead of um, the Lord your God, you missed a chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. You missed a chance to destroy your enemy. You missed a chance to, to really get ahead here. And you can start to see this, this fall of Asa as he's gotten older. He starts messing up. As we grow older, we grow wiser. We gain life experience. And here's what seems to happen. When we experience so much, we can begin to feel confident that we understand we can handle the things. We can handle the challenges that come our way instead of praying, instead of saying, God, be with me. This is where Asa found himself. He said, man, I know the solution. I've seen this. I've been here before. If I just go get that other king on my side, we're good. But God was telling them, you're not trusting me. The last point today that I want to give you guys is this. End well. End well when it comes to your life. King Asa had a sad ending. He didn't end well. We see um, here in just a second, you're going to see that, that he gets a severe disease in his feet. And we don't know exactly what that was. But he, res he, he he's so far from God at this moment. He's so just bitter. He so thinks that he's got everything put together that he doesn't seek God anymore. Instead, all he does is he seeks the help of the physicians. He only seeks, like, doctors and things to, to help him. He doesn't even look to God anymore. Check it out. It says this. <clears throat> in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. 41 years, he got to be king. I mean, if we could sign up for it right now, every single one of us probably would say, hey, yeah, I'd do 41 years as king, right? Like, it would be a great thing. 41 years, and, and we see in the beginning part of his years, this guy was faithful. This guy's heart was in the right spot. This guy, he truly wanted the kingdom to change. He kicked out all the idols. He even made grandma mad. But look at the end. Look at where, what happens. He forgets who God is. He forgets who really put him in the position for this. He forgets the blessings and where the blessings come from. And he started to lean into himself. And I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. Guys, we're selfish creatures. Inside of us, we want to be known for our accomplishments. We can build ourselves up. We can build up our own pride. Or we can acknowledge the gifts that God has given us and we can point it all Back to him. And that's where Asa messed up. Asa started to think he was a bigger deal than he really was. And we see it in his life. So of all the six lessons that I just gave you, here's the final thing I want you to remember today. No matter how good you think you are, you must always guard your heart and keep your eyes on the Lord. 
no matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you think your relationship with God is, it's easy to fall away. It's easy for us to get puffed up, conceited, to miss what God's doing in our life. But if you will commit to guarding your heart, to spending time in God's words, to meeting with accountability, with mentors, with people who have your best interest in mind, your life will be different than Asa's. Your life will be different than Solomon's. The book of Kings shows us that no matter how much power you have, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much it seems like everything can go right in your life, that if you don't look to God, then it can all be a waste. That's not what we want for you guys as teenagers. Man, we want to see you guys chasing after Jesus. We want to see you guys really holding each other's hands and pulling each other towards Jesus. We want you to have fun doing it. So if you're not part of discipleship, come talk to me. Let's talk about what does it look like for you to really dig in and get to know God over the next year. No matter how good you think you are, you must always guard your heart and keep your eyes on the Lord. Let me pray over you guys. We'll get you out of here. Hey, God, thank you so much, Lord, for this lesson today. Thank you so much, Lord, for how we can grow from what we sing in see in this king's life. God, you said that he was a good guy. You said that he did what was right in the sight of you. Even though in the end, Lord, he, he was falling away. God, you said he was good. So God, thank you that, Lord, you look at us with mercy and grace. And God, for the students in this room, Lord, who have started well, God, continue to let them chase after you. Continue to let them, Lord, look to you. God, put the right people in their lives that, Lord, they will chase, Lord, so they will grow in you. For the students in this room, Lord, who haven't really started truly getting to know you yet, I pray right now that, Lord, they will understand that, Lord, this is not about a prayer, but, God, this is about a relationship with you that, Lord, they need to grow in you. And so, Father, show them, Lord, who it is you want to help them grow. God, I pray right now for our students, Lord, who have friends, Lord, who are speaking just negative things into their life. I pray that, Lord, our students will be willing to step up and say, no, i got to get you out of here. I can't have you in my life speaking these things. Give them the confidence, Lord, when it comes to that. Give them the confidence, Lord. Let us all in well. Lord, don't let us be like King Asa. Lord, let us chase after you our entire lives. Let us always look to you. And, God, in the moments where we don't, let us come back to you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for each person in this room. Show us what you want us to do with this message today. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.